0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnyTime.com. So, I usually speak about the parashon. I usually speak about things that happen. And usually things happen on the day that I speak. Because that's what I'm supposed to speak about. It's a little bit of a hard subject. But I think it's a very important subject. A lot of us go through a lot of very tough things in life. And, um,. I have a lot of questions. In fact, it's very, uh, I'll tell you two stories that happened today. Um, I myself was involved in something that I thought would turn out very differently than I did. Um, and I just realized it was just a test to see how I react. Because to have moon in Hashem and to believe in Hashem when you're down for something or when you think something's right and it comes out the way you want, that's nice. But when things don't come out the way you want and when things don't work out the way you want and you still have a emunah, that's real emunah. So, today I spoke to two girls who their sister um, lost a baby that was five weeks old, and um, so was their nephew, and um, very, very, very traumatized, and um, had a lot of questions on Hashem, like, you know, five weeks old, and had to bury the child, and... I don't know. It's very, 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 very traumatic situation. And these two girls are very young. One's, I, don't, I don't, I don't think they're more than one. It's 17 or fifteen, whatever. And 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 they came to my office today to speak to me about to get chizuk. So it's very easy to give chizuk and say like, you know, um, you have to believe and you have to trust and you know what, it's somebody else. It's definitely easy to say, but give the true Nechama, Nechama, which is to console, very hard. The whole Gemara talks about this Tana that was sitting shiva for his son and one Tana after another came to do Nechama and he's, no, 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 no. Finally, the last one, I don't remember the Gemara exactly, he said "Nichamti." forgot what he said exactly. He said, it's not easy, sometimes it's better not to say anything. So what do you tell these two girls? They lost a, a five-week-old little boy. Um, so I told them the following, which I haven't ever heard of many, many, many years ago. And um, it seems to have been the day for this, because I came out of Mincha today, and a girl that I haven't seen in a long time, hi Rabbi Wallerstein, and then she poured her heart out and ended up with Mincha and Maya standing on the sidewalk, you know, trying to give her Nechama. So I'll tell you what I told her, I'll tell you what I told them. So I told them the following, that we don't really know the answers to a lot of things, but there is there a Rev Chaim Vital, who was the student of their Riyah Kaddush, Who wrote a, wrote a story And the, the story that he wrote Rav Chayim Vital Was a story that I believe A couple came to their Riyah Kardosh Who didn't have children For 10, 12, maybe 15 years And They pushed him for a bracha They pushed him for a bracha They pushed him for more than a bracha They pushed him for a haftacha Haftacha means I'm not blessing you I'm telling you what's going to happen and finally he said, okay, you want a child? Next year at this time, you're going to have a baby boy. A Riyad If He says, you're going to have a baby boy. You're going to have a baby boy. No, nope. next year at that time, they're talking about a baby boy. they a the bris. Maybe with the Riyad was even the, you know, the Sandik. Fine. Two years later, the baby dies. They come back to the Riyad They're like, what did you do? Like, you have Rucha kodesh. You knew for sure that this baby wasn't going to live. It would have been much better not to give us a child. You know, to have a child for two years and love a child and have all these expectations and potential and then for that to be taken away from you is much worse than not having a child. Why don't you just tell us that you can't give us a bracha? So they had tainous to, to their rear kodesh, And it sounds like they had good tainous if he knew it. So why do you do that? On the lighter side of things, there's a famous story, you know, a Rebbe, you can't, a Rebbe Kubal can never be wrong. So there's this guy, this man who had seven daughters. And he comes to the Rebbe and he says, I'll give you any amount of money. You have to give me a bracha that I should have a son. I have seven daughters. I need to have a I need to have a I need to have a son. So the Rebbe said, Okay, if you're pushing me so hard. Give you a bracha that next year at this time, the two of you are going to have a ben. They went out. They made a party. The Rebbe said they're going to have a ben. Nope. She gets pregnant. They're all excited. The Rebbe says she's going to have a ben. She's going to definitely have a, a boy. She gives birth. Twin girls. <laughs> twin girls. They're beyond themselves. Right? They went to the Rebbe. he's going to have a ben. But a Rebbe's never wrong. Right? Makuba and a Rebbe can't be wrong. So they come to him. And they have titus. They're like, I don't understand. We came to you came through last year. You said that we're going to have a Ben. And now we had twin girls. I mean, it's one thing we would have had a girl, but you're so off. Now we have nine daughters, right? I mean, we had seven. Now we have nine. I don't understand. So says, what do you mean? I said, you can have a Ben. He said, I said, that's right. We had two girls. He said, no, you don't understand. It was Russia Tavis, Bays, Nikavis. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rebbe's are never wrong. Okay, whoever doesn't know, basically with me is two females. I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't translate it. Okay, you have to get a little bit because I don't want you to get too depressed tonight. bugs over. Anyway, so listen to this. So, so he turns to these two people and he says, you want to know who that little boy was that you had for two years? And they're like, yeah, who was that little boy? He says, I'll tell you the story of the little boy. I knew the neshama that was coming. I knew, I knew the child that was coming and I knew that he wasn't going to live more than two years. Let me tell you who this neshama is. He said many, many, gilgal ago, many, many years before that, there was a king. And the the king didn't have any children, and the priests, the, the the people who were not Jewish, were blaming it on the Jewish nation that we were praying that the king should not have any children. So the king said that if I don't have children, if I don't have a child within the next year, I'm going to wipe out all the Jews in, the, in my country and, and whoever is there, I'm not going to wipe out is going to be sent out. So the Eden went to the shul and they fasted and they davened and they davened and, the prin- and, and, and the queen became pregnant. At the same time, the rov's wife became pregnant. the same time as the prin- as, as the queen became pregnant. Okay. So the king was very nice to the Jews. You know, you prayed for me and you made it out, whatever it is. What happens? So the the, the Rebetzin, right, the Rose's wife, gives birth that night, the same night that the queen gives birth. And one of the women who were taking care of the baby, like nurse, was Jewish. And in the middle of the night, the king's baby died. And she knew that if in the morning the king finds out that the baby died, he's going to blame it on the Jews, that you prayed, now you prayed that, that my baby should die, and that there would be a, there would be a disaster, that Jews would be burnt at the stake, they would be killed. So she ran to the Rav. It's an unbelievable story. It's brought, brought down Rav Chayim, Vital Safer. Sefer. She ran to the Rav, and she said the, baby, the king's baby died. For, to save Klisha, so you've got to give me the Rebetzin's baby, and we have to make a switch so she took she took the dead baby and she brought it to the rabbitson and she took the live baby and she brought it to the to the king to the king it was a one day no one would know the difference the next morning they got up the rabbitson you know the baby died the whole all you know the king came to be manakhamovol and the rub the only one that knew about the switch was the rub and his rabbitson they were the only two that knew about the switch And, you know, so they were so sad, and all the Jews, like, you know, such a terrible tragedy. The king came to visit, Rabbi, I'm so, you know, sorry, I have such a beautiful baby, and that this happened on the same night, I wish they could have grown up together. Meanwhile, the king was bringing up this child as a non-Jew, and the Rav and the Rebetz were the only ones that knew that their child was being brought up by the king. And the Rav was very upset, because he knew he was being brought up as a guy, as a non-Jew. So he went to the king, and he said that, you know, I teach philosophy and a lot of other things, and, you know, the Jews were very intelligent. Um, I would love to give your son a class once a week or twice a week, you know. And, and the king was very, he, lo- he liked this rabbi, and he was very, you know, very into him. And he said, sure, you could teach my, you could teach my son. The rov walks in. The son looks exactly like his wife. He looking at this kid's face, and his mama's looking at the Rebison's face. He's like... And his mama's shaking. So, the way that Rebchan Vita writes the story, he began to teach him. And he, was, and he grew up, and he grew up, and he was 12 years old, 13 years old. And when he became 13 years old, he told him, what happens? And he said, really? You're my child? The king's child died. And he told, told him the whole story. Of course, the kid was like, no, I'm the prince, I'm the He says, tomorrow... I'm going to bring my wife and I want you to look in the mirror together with her and you'll see that I'm not lying to you he brought her and she, Mama, she was like you know he looked like her and he realized that this was the truth well, what is he going to do you can't tell the king now that there was a switch at birth he's not going to believe it and he's definitely not going to accept it so he became the king the king died and this boy became the king and he took all the bad stuff that was written, decrees about Jews. They can't have land, they can't have this, they can't have that. And he nullified all the bad things that were against the Jews. And when he was 18 or 19 years old, he left. He just disappeared. Ended up going to Eretz And as far as they were concerned, the king was killed, he was kidnapped, he disappeared. Nobody knew everything, nothing, nobody knew anything to this day. Nobody knows... Why that king disappeared, but he was actually a Jewish boy. So the, the, the mother and the father who lost this child are sitting there like, My high, what, is this, what does this have to do? It's an unbeliever of Chaim Vital. That's why I like to learn his svarim. So the, so the, the Ariyah Khadr said to them, You're this, he died, and he went up to Shemayim, and he had done so much for the Jews that he changed all those decrees. He went there so he became a big, big tzaddik. And he comes to Ganei then... And he wants to go to Yeshiva Shalmayla... And they don't let him in... Why? Because for two years... That he grew up... He was nursing... From a non-Jewish woman... He was, he was getting non-Jewish milk from, from this non-Jewish woman... And therefore... In Yeshiva Shalmayla... They wouldn't let him speak... So they said... What are we going to do with him? But he's a tzaddik... We're not going to send him to And What are we going to do with him? So they said... We'll wait for a very, very special couple... We'll send him down for two years. He'll nurse from a tzaddikistah. And when he nurses from a tzaddikistah, he'll get rid of the soul that he had for those two years nursing from a non-Jew. And after the two years, exactly to the day of when he last nursed by his Goyesh mother, we'll take him back and we'll put him in Eden. So Ria Kursh looked at the two of them and said to them, that's the neshama I gave you. That's the neshama that you carried, brought back to this world. You were mesakeim this tzaddik. To be to be able to sit in Gan and when after 120 years, she'll be waiting for you, because Lamaisa she wrote him up. She's in pain. She's sitting shiva. She's beyond herself. This was a child that she had. She's in pain. She's in a lot of pain. That pain you went you went through for a different person that you didn't even know. that's what Reb Chaim Vital. So, I don't know how Hashem runs the world, but I said to the to these sisters, I said. This boy came here for five weeks into this world. Now, we'll go into this a little bit. In the Shaman, in the next world, sometimes they give you a choice to go to Gehenna, <coughs> to clean up, or to come back to this world. There's a story in the Kava Yasha where there was this person who said he had a certain amount of evidence, he had to go to Gehenna. He said, no problem. I don't want to go back to this world because... At the end of the day, it's sort of like, um, what is that test that you take? And then they let you take another one. There's, huh? No, no, but there's a test for, to get a degree where they, where, where they or maybe it's, maybe it's the bar, maybe it's the, what do they call the LSATs? What? No, it's not, the, it's the LSATs, I think. It's the LSAT. So you take the LSAT, right, and you score very, very high, but not high enough to get into Harvard. Now you want to take it again, but the problem is that you scored very high. If you take it again and you score very low, then you mess yourself up. So sometimes just, I won't go to Harvard, but I'll go to a good school, have a nice day. So in the next world, some, the Neshama is very worried about coming back here. It has a hundred Aveiras, it's going to come back here. Get erased, don't go through a whole life and come back with 10,000 Averis. So, something's just better just to clean it up over there. So the famous story Kaviyosha brings down with his Nishama, he was, Kaviyosha Sefer talks about the next world a lot. He says, in the Nishama, he only had a few Averis, whatever it is, and they said you have to go to Gehenim only for a month, whatever it was, and he said, fine, I'm not going back to this world. I'll take the Gehenim, let's clean it up, let's get out of here. So, <laughs> it's very, it's not funny, but, so Kaviyosha says that all of a sudden it was so hot, and it's not a fire that you think that it's a fire it's an emotional fire it's much worse and um, and so it was so hot so he said okay I'm in 'm leave me here for the month already Leave me. Here. and the Malachim said you're not in Gehenim you're thousands of miles still out he said forget it I'll go back to that world and he went back to Bethan Shamilah and he came back and he came back over here so all of us that are in this room right some of us decided to come back some of us had no choice to come back lemaisa none of you in this room including me were really very bad last time or we'd still be up there you know, in the barbecue pit so Baruch Hashem we're not being barbecued on the other side if we were big tzaddikim we're big tzaddikim we would be in being then so none of us were big tzaddikim last time none of us were big risham last time it means we're all him. we're like, we're all in the middle we got some stuff to fix got some stuff to do but on nisham we're betting on that we come back here and come back better than last time some of us are Holocaust neshamas, we're neshamas that left the world before their time. Many of the big tzaddikim say today that, that a lot of our youth, a lot of our children, are neshamas that came back from, from that terrible period of time. Um, and that's why some of us are very connected to Holocaust studies, Holocaust stories, uh, buy a lot of Holocaust books, feel that they were... I've had people tell me that, that I feel like I was there so we, we all have a job to do here and we all have work to do here and um, we don't know exactly why we're here. It says the Yetzirah that you have the most is why, really what you're here for. Whatever you're struggling, whether it's Lashon Ha, whatever it is, that's what happened last time. Um, but we all had another chance and until we leave this world we have another chance. We can do tshuva and, and therefore a child that comes to the world for five weeks is such a big tzaddik soul that that soul is guaranteed that it can't, will not do any avayras. In other words, we're sending you to the world you're only five weeks old, so you don't have any, any Averis, it means that it's a time thing. In other words, if you're past 13 years old, it's not a time thing. Here, why did the child come back to this world? It can't do any mitzvahs, five weeks old. It can't do any Aveiras five weeks old, right? So it just means that it needed to spend five weeks here. Um, what? It just had to be in this world for five weeks. Maybe it left the world... There's a certain amount of there's a certain amount of time when a neshama comes to this world that you have to be here. And sometimes, for whatever reason, the neshama, someone pulled the plug. Someone That's why there's this whole thing about pulling a plug on a person who's brain dead and you're not allowed to because there's a certain amount of time, even if the person doesn't have the ability to think, there's a certain amount of time that the neshama has to be in this world. The only way the neshama can be in this world is if it's in a guf. So sometimes it only needs to be here. Sometimes... Um, it's a little bit of a tough subject, but it's, it's important. Sometimes, it doesn't even come into this world. It's carried and miscarried. But and, still right, so it's the same thing. It's the same thing. Same thing, same thing with, 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 miscarriages. Somebody gets pregnant and they have miscarriage after three months. What's, why, why? And the answer is sometimes, some, coming into this world, we don't understand this, but in Kabbalah we learn that coming into this world for the Nisham is very hard. Leaving the world and coming is very, very hard. So so to be born, and and to be awake, and to be alive, that moment is very hard for the soul. And and therefore, that child is on such a level, that neshama, that it just has to be in a woman's womb. It has to be carried around in the world, right? In a protective womb, it doesn't have to even come into the world. So it's very hard, I mean, I've gone through my life, my wife, we've gone through this, it's very hard to tell someone who, who was pregnant, who had a miscarriage, like, oh, it's great, you're carrying a child, you know? But the the honest truth and he says this, the honest truth is, yes, you are the carrier of a neshama, you will be masakain. What bigger vahafla recha kamocha is that a person should suffer to be masakain a soul in the other world and get nothing for it. It's just pain. Physical pain, emotional pain. Right? That's that's the highest level. So if you fight it and you don't understand it, so then so then you may have done a tikkun. Well, the mice you didn't accept it. If you accept it, you know, because, well, I was the vessel to fix this neshamah. Uh, listen, anyone who deals with, with Down syndrome children um, knows, you know, get up when a Down syndrome child, you know, I try to remember to do that. When a Down syndrome child walks into a room, you really, you're supposed to stand up. Why are you standing up? Because a Down syndrome child cannot do an Avera. He cannot do a sin. Which means that the soul that's in that child is so holy that it was guaranteed in Shemayim that we're going to send you into the world and you will come back without one more Avera. Those souls are you. We don't have those souls. We're not guaranteed. No one in this room is guaranteed that you're not going to come back with more Averas. So we're not on their level. That is why a Down syndrome child is always happy. I, just, I was just down in shul, so there's like three or four, and they stand by the like. Nobody screams main with more kayach and more happiness than these kids. What are you happy about? What are you happy about? Why are they so happy? They're really so happy. Why are they so happy? Because their neshama is in a place that it can only do good. They make bruchas, and they put on tefillin, whatever they can do, right? And they cannot do an avera. Which means that whatever soul is in that body is some huge tzaddik. We're not on that level because we, we come back and we could sin. They can't sin. So when a Down syndrome would walk in, the biggest tzaddik would stand up. They would stand up in the room because they understand that the neshama, that person, is on, on such a level that it was a tzaddik that's guaranteed you have to come to this world, but you will never come back with an alvehira. So, so so yes, it's not easy and it's not, you know, people don't throw a party when they have a Down syndrome child. but The people who understand that they're taking care of a soul, a very holy soul, that's in this world for a certain amount of time, a very innocent soul that cannot do anything wrong. And that is a, that is a, uh, and I have to tell you that I have a daughter that works in, in, in Camp Has, and, and the the chizuk the, the that the girls get that work with these kids, they come out on a high, like, what are you coming out on a high for, Right. Because these kids are, they're, they're tzaddikim. There's a very holy soul in that body. They're very big tzaddikim, and, and 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 therefore we we yes we do a lot of things in this world, and you don't you you know you should never know from it. But after 120 years, it's it, it, he says this from Chaim Vital the Kabbal Yasha says this that those neshamas will will take you into Gan Eden because you did that for them. Those are very holy souls. And yes, you went through the pain, and you carried me, and you went through all this emotional pain, and you took care of me, and just so that I should have a tikkun, that I should go to Ghanai then, so now I'm gonna pay you back, me the Canadian me then, I'm gonna take you into Ghanai. Mm-hmm. This is what he says of Chaim Vital. It's, it's, so I told this to these girls today, I said, listen, I can't answer you, but for whatever reason, your sister was picked to carry, to carry this holy, these holy child. Why Hashem picked her and not somebody else? That already, I don't, I can't answer you. But There's no question So so, so that was my, my afternoon And then I um, came walking out of Mincha today And I met this girl And um, she was very tabraka And she just got married and, and three months later she was divorced um, Actually a week later she was separated And it's a girl that I know very well And she's like, why me? Why does this happen to me? I'm like, I don't know but for some reason, to get to your right zivug, you have to go through this. I don't know why, I don't know tikkunim, I don't know gulim, I don't know why, but you have two choices. You have one choice to say, Hashem, I hate you, why'd you do this to me? Or the other choice is, Hashem, I don't understand this, this is very painful, and I don't know why I have to go through this. You do. I'm a to cobble it, and uh, just make sure the next one is like forever. You know, don't, you know I don't want to go through this again. It, 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 it's in it's any yisurim, any yisurim that a person goes through. You have two choices: if you don't accept it, then it's not counted. If you do accept it, then it's, a, it's, a, it's on a much higher level. This is, I'm going to read you a Medjish Rabbah tonight um, about somebody that was, you know, that was on this level. And there's a lot of people going through a lot of stuff. Um, it's the generation of Mashiach. There's no more time in the world. It's 267 years. It's nothing. So there's a, there's a lot of stuff that has to happen in 267 years that there used to be 4,000 years and 3,000 years. So it could go slowly and, you know, you'd have one problem. Cholesterol now has every problem. Whatever could go wrong is going wrong. We're having shit of crisis. People can't have children. People are getting divorced. They're broken engagements. I mean, uh, cancer. What, what kids off the derech? No money. No money for tuition. Abuse. I mean, right, right? We never had this. We had, okay, people are trying to kill us. And then, people are trying to make us into non-Jews, and we had one, one generation of Spanish Inquisition, but we didn't have a Spanish Inquisition where, they, where they're trying to kill us, and they're trying to take us off the dead, plus everybody's getting sick, plus nobody has, you know, people don't have money, plus there's girls walking around that are looking for shidduchim and then when they have the shidduchim look what's going on, and, and, and therapists, and, and 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 medicine, and it doesn't stop, and the reason that it's just bang, 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 bang like that is because there's not much time left. And therefore these are fast generations. That's why it's interesting because the, the, the physical world and the spiritual world always mirror each other. So if the, if you see in the physical, technical world that everything going very fast, fast cars, fast phones, you know, microwave for your food, every, fast food, everything's fast. Faster, faster, faster. Your computer's not working fast enough. You got to get work fast. You got to upgrade and upgrade and upgrade, right? Every, every, right? GPS, everything. So if everything in the physical world is going fast, then you're going to know that everything in the spiritual, emotional world is going to go fast. Because they mirror each other. So that's what's happening. There's, just, there's, there's a lot of emotional pain. There's a lot of emotional happiness. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of kids being born. There's a lot of people getting married. There's a lot of the other, the other side. It's just very, very fast. And it's very hard on a person when things are happening. So fast, but that is the generation of Mashiach. Generation of Mashiach is a generation where tech, technology is fast, planes are fast, trains are fast, but a lot of things that we're going through are also are also very fast. So to make it through, if you hold on to Kodesh Baruch if you under, if you come to an understanding that I know nothing, and that that I accept, you're uh, allowed to daven, you're allowed to talk to Hashem, you're allowed to ask Hashem, you're. But, but if it's coming from anger then you miss the whole then you, then, you, know, then you miss the whole point if you think some, the guy that's talking to you right now has the perfect life and never had stuff happen in his life I'm telling you, I'm not getting into my private life but I've had stuff happen to my life when I was just married when, I, when we were very very young as a couple, and the only thing that got me through um, you know, because I always have that question, I mean I'll tell you when my father died 14 years ago right I was a Rebbe at that point for 21 years and I was helping a lot of kids, and my father's house in Muncie was where I took all my boys for Shabbos. And I was very, very close to my father, and he was a very big father. And when we found out that he had um, cancer, I was with him by the doctor when they, um, when they gave him the report, and the doctor said to me, uh, my father said, so how does it look? He says, we'll try, but normally esophageal cancer, 93 months. So, of course, my father's a Balamuna, and I'm a Balamuna, stupid doctor. You, you, you're a God now. Three months. You decide three months. Whatever it is, fine. So I got on a plane. I went to Eretz And I went to the Kaisalon, because was my witness. And I was up a whole night, and I said, the whole Tehillim. And I cried. And I pulled out my... I said, listen, God, this is the deal. You know, I'm working for you for a long time for, with kids. And I, I, I'm, you know, I'm your man. I'm, this is what I'm doing. I can't ask you for my father's life because when you dive in it's better to ask for a little than you get a lot than ask for a lot right so I was like give me a year doctor said 90 days give me a year my father always wanted me to come to Muncie he lived in Muncie I lived in Brooklyn he always wanted me to come to Muncie to learn with him so I always told him okay one day a week I'm going to come learn with you never happens right because I was busy so I said give me a year and I'm going to learn with my father once a week I went to Makubalim they wrote kemehas, we put it in water, and took the water with all kinds of things, and he had to rub it on you know, on his throat, and uh, don't ask what I came up with, in Eretz swell brachas from every Gadol. and, and, and I met, I must have met in, in Yerushalayim, 15, 15 kubalim, tadikim gemurim, for brachas with zacha, with mices, I wrote checks, I paid people's grocery bills, I, there was nothing that I didn't do. My father had to live at least a year. Okay, I came back from Eretz Israel, I said, Dad, we're gonna beat this. I had a, I had a trip there at so Israel, you know, you know when you have a good trip. I had a trip there at Israel, Ruches, and I gave him all these crazy stuff, and, and and mices and did, there's no way. And I'm thinking in my head, I listen, I said to Hashem, you want all my credits for all the teaching? Everything I did, you got him. Save my father. I give you everything. Okay, my father died, 90 days! to when the doctor said three months not only God didn't give me a year he didn't give me an extra day smack in the face didn't give me an extra day, forget about a month or two months my high, my whole life I gave to you I'm your Evet Hashem and I did all this stuff and I wrote all the tzedakah and you don't even give me a day, I remember I said I'm done you see, everyone thinks Wallace is like this angel, right? I'm as human as all of you. I'm like, it's my father, the closest person to me in my whole life. I asked you for, I didn't ask you for much. I asked you for another extra nine months. You didn't give me a day? I'm finished. I called my school. I'm not teaching no more. Done. I'm going to go to my business. What do I have to go kill myself? I couldn't even get my father an extra day. I've got to go kill myself and work with kids I'll go to business I'll make some money i go to Florida leave me alone that's it I called my school and I said I'm giving you two weeks notice I'm not teaching anymore there was no ornava at that time there was nothing I just taught in this school Levaya the shiva everybody's telling me you know this and that you know goes in you don't hear anything what they're saying anyway, anyway finally I don't know it was like a day or two after shiva I went to work and I'm sitting there I'm like okay so you're not teaching anymore do you think my father is happy in Shemayim? Like, he's like, it's bad enough I died. Because I died, now I drove you out of Yeshiva? Hello? So I'm like, what are you, crazy, Wallerstein? What are you doing? You're going to teach God a lesson, right? Because I mean, what are you doing? And, 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 and if you have a good relationship with your father, just the opposite. Do something. Teach more. It was, Mama, flip. But it didn't happen right away. I had to, I had to calm down. To, I'm a human being, right? And I talk a flip, and guess what? That was the year that Ornava was opened. That was the year that this whole thing started, was the year my father died. So I could have walked away and been angry, but instead I was saying to myself, for whatever reason, Hashem said no. I don't know why. I don't know why he had to die on that day, but that was the day. And no matter what I could have thrown to Shemayim, Maybe, maybe it would have cost me my life. I don't know what the deal would have been. Akash Baruchu said, I know what I'm doing, and this is the day, and, and your tillers are not wasted, and you know, we, we know that when you're down for someone, and, and that person, let's say you're down for someone, and that person dies, so are you wasted your tillers? No. So the Kash takes those tillers and someone in you, it could be your grandchild, will be sick one day, and your tillers for that person will be used for your grandfather. It's like a bank. Your tillers go into your bank. So if the tiller was like, no, this person has a time, and we're not changing that. The tithle doesn't get destroyed. The tulla is put into your bank. You still daven, you still sit the him. you still learn Torah, you still get money for tzedakah, and that bank is yours. And later on, it could save your grandchild, it could save you, it could save your great-grandchild. It can be used. That your tithle is yours, it can never be taken away. People feel like I daven, I daven, daven. Oh, so now it's wasted. It's never wasted. Not one omane, not one bracha, nothing that comes out of your mouth is wasted. And therefore, it's put in a night. It's a night is like a jar. It's put in a place. Every tear is put in a jar. It's all kept. It's yours. It's your tiller. And, and if it's not used, then you have a credit. It's like mileage, you know, an Amex. And you could use that. And, and, and we will use that. Maybe for Clyde's thriller, maybe not for your family. That's a like Kishbrokho's decision. He takes all these tillers and all these tears, and he uses them. So, so I told this girl, I said, listen, I don't, I don't know why you have to marry this guy. I said, but... There's another guy coming along, who you could not get to, unless you had to get past him. It's called the kites, whatever it is, and 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 so she said, "You know what? But I'm not going to be happy until I meet the other guy." I said, "Hashem knows that," but I tell you what: when you meet him, you'll forget you'll forget all about this guy. It'll be just a bad memory. It's patience. It's it's hard to tell someone who's in pain, you know, to be to, to to be patient. There's a woman sitting here tonight who gave me a big bracha, who has numbers on her hands. She's sitting right in front of me. And she's, Bruch Hashem here, and went through the Holocaust. Because if you have numbers on your hand, He you went through a very bad part of the Holocaust. And she's from, and she's Shema And the Satma Rebbe said, that when, when he was dying, they asked him, who should we go, for, who do we go to for a bracha? You know, the Rebbe's not going to be here anymore. He said, you don't need a Rebbe. He says, walk into any shul and look for a man who has numbers, who is wearing filling. If that person understands, that whatever HaKesh Baruch Hu does is for the good. If he stayed firm after the Holocaust, then get a bracha from him. So any girls that need a bracha tonight, there's a young lady sitting in front of me, that I would tell you to get a bracha from her. Because her bracha is bigger than any bracha that anybody can give you. And she understands exactly what I'm talking about tonight. Because how do we understand the Holocaust? We so don't understand the Holocaust. So why would you be from after the Holocaust? we understand Hashem has a master plan, and as painful as it looks, if we understood it, you know, so this girl said to me, she said, "By Wallstein, um, I need Hashem to explain to me why he did this to me. I said, then, um, you may not wake up tomorrow morning. She said, what do you mean? Very famous story, a man was 105 years old, and the Rebbe asked, let's go, let's get a bracha. Anyone over in 90 is supposed to get a bracha from? They called a the sei, he's supposed to get a bracha. So this Rebbe, I forgot who the Rebbe was, went with all the chassidim to this man, he lived in a in a village, 105 years old. So they came into him and they, they asked him for a bracha and he gave them all the bracha. And the Rebbe said to him, What did you do that you lived 105 years? You must have done such a big mitzvah. He says, I didn't do any special mitzvah. He says, no, no, think back, you saved an amana, a yasam. You must have done something really big. He says, nope. He says, you want to know the secret of a long life? He said, I never asked God why. What does that mean? He says, because if you ask God why, after a while, he's like, okay, you really want to know why? I can't show it to you in this world, because I can't show you the whole picture in this world. So he takes you to the next world, and he actually shows you why. And you're like, oh my gosh, if I would only know that, but now you can't come back here anymore. He says, I never asked why. So there's no reason to take me to Shemayim. I'm not interested in why. So that's why I live a long life. So I told it to this girl, I'm like, don't ask so much why. Because there is an answer. But by the time you find the answer, it's too late, you can't come back. So just just be macabre, just accept it. So a you shouldn't have to go through anything. But if you go through, for whatever reason you have to go through, hold on to God. And, and just hold on to him and understand that we so don't have the picture imagine these people who lost this child after two years they had no idea the whole story of baby to save the Jews and he grew up as a non-Jew and he nursed from a non-Jew and how can anyone know the whole story? because Shabbat knows the whole story and this baby had to come back and the Ariya Kutosh said to, to carry such a baby to carry such a Kajish Dika child who was who going into the Bezim Shalmat going into the Yeshiva Shalmailah he, he it was a present that he gave to them. He said, you know what, you chush enough, I'll, I'll let you carry this baby. I'll let you nurse this baby. It's uh, it's, it's it's you know, we don't so this story I'm telling you, you here, so you're like, Wow, great. Every single story is exactly as great as the story I just told you. Every single trauma that a person goes through, everything that, that is bad in our lives that we think is bad, is exactly the same story. It's not a king and it's not a being nursed for two years. But it's the same God that did it here, that has a plan, it's the same God that has a plan with all of us. And I just lived through it. I had a, this whole thing, and it just didn't go my way at all. And at the end of the day, I said to myself, it was shirt that I had to go there. It was shirt that I had to be there. And, and, and you know, and that's it. I told you many years ago that this whole thing that I had in the ambulance, that, that I, I went to sleep one night at 3 o'clock, and I was dead tired, I was wiped out, and I almost hit the pillow, I always turn my phone off when I go to sleep. I, I put it on silent. That night I forgot. 3.15 the phone rings. I pick it up. It's Hatzalah. My heart's beating. I've slept for 15 minutes. I'm like, oh my god, what? You right away think your kid's something like that. I'm like, what's going on? They're like, so and so, this is a girl who's in your school. Um, she took a lot of pills. She has to go to the hospital and she's not letting us take her. And she said she'll only go with Rabbi Wallstein. I was like, I didn't even know what world I you know, I was so dizzy, I didn't know what world I was in. I'm like, I can't, I can't, I gotta go to sleep. And I'm like, No, you got you gotta help her. You got you gotta to come to the ambulance. I'm like, so where are you where are you? And they're like, in your driveway. And all of a sudden my wife's like, What's going on? Oh my gosh, there's red lights in your driveway. Right? So I got dressed, mom mama almost fell down the steps. I was so dizzy. I get into the ambulance, there she is. Not the first time she tried this, right? And there she is laying on the stretcher with the oxygen mask, and they're like, and they're like, so, Ray Wilson, you're coming, and they close the back door, and, and I'm like, I can't believe this, and I'm sitting on this, you know, this two side things, and two side things, and the stretcher's in the middle, I'm sitting in there, and they're in the ambulance, and it's bouncing up and down, and I'm like, till three o'clock, I was out with kids, that's not fair, you could have done it tomorrow night at 11, you know what I mean, you know what, you know when she was going to do this, like, and we're on our way to Maimonides, and I'm, I'm thinking, and all of a sudden, I'm thinking to myself, they're very fair, you see, because on Rosh Hashanah, we say, right, we say tzedakah, tzedakah, you know, by Unasana HaTolkev, Ma'avirin es roya Hagazera. It moves the terrible edict, right? Tzedakah. It doesn't say it breaks or erases the edict. It moves it. What does that mean, it moves it? Where does it move it to? We say those words, right? Tzedakah, tzedakah, we say, right, um, is virin. is Roya HaGzera we don't say it breaks what does it mean Mavirin it moves it what does it mean it moves it so that's what happened I'm sitting on the ambulance I'm saying to myself on Rosh Hashanah they wrote that Wallerstein at 3.15 is going to be in an ambulance that cannot be changed that's the Xero the question is why is he in that ambulance Chatham having a heart attack whether his children are sick or Doing a mitzvah, helping someone else. Now, Wallerstein, which three of these would you pick? A, B, or C? You being sick, your children being sick, or doing a mitzvah? Are you kidding me? C, of course, right? Well, that's what happened. And I'm sitting in that, and also I'm like, yay! I'm not happy that she's on the stretcher, but she's on the stretcher, and I'm on the bench. This is a good thing if Wallerstein has to be in an ambulance at 315, Thursday night, whatever it is that that day, so the gzera is written, and sometimes the gzera is written when you're born. It's 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 a very scary zayah that says when you're born, how long you're going to live, how many children you're going to have, money, health, all that stuff is really written, and then every every year it's sort of like rewritten a little bit, but it's it's all there. What how much money is in the neshama, how tall you're going to be, what you're going to look like. There's a, there's a whole zaya on this, right? So so it's like so. So it's written what's going to be in your life. The question is, right? You're going to be in an ambulance. Are you a Hatsala member, driving the ambulance, right? Are you a doctor? Or are you from the patient? So that's up to you. By the way you're living your life. So Ma'virin, Azraeli, exera is that there's exera, that you have to be there. But how are you going to be there? That's up to you. So Tshuva, My view Ma'virin, Azera, exera. So I was in a court a few weeks ago um, in a faraway land. And it was a very hard situation. And it didn't go the way that we thought it should, or the way that it would. And I did a lot of davening, that it should go a certain way. But it didn't go that way at all. In fact, it was really not good. And I didn't cha, because I was like, I don't understand. Yashris, you know, even though we live in an oil of And then I realized that on Rosh Hashanah it was written that I'm going to be in court. Now you got a choice how to be in court. Somebody could be, you could be the accused, God forbid, and you're standing there trying to save your life. Somebody might be suing you for a lot of money. Or you might be testifying to help another Jew. And before you walk into court, you could say, I'm doing a mitzvah. That depends on how you live your life. But you're going to be in that court on that day, because that's what's written on Rosh Hashanah. How are you going to be in that court? If you're doing chesed, then you'll be in that court doing chesed. So that's our class. How we live our life, we can't break the xerah. We can move the xerah into that it should be a good xerah. Even though it's a bad xerah, it can turn into a good xerah. That depends on how you, you know, how you live your life. 100%. So I want to end this week's PowerShell, Just a short medrash. A beautiful, beautiful medrash. By the way, it's medrash travel was translated into English in the varum, It just came out. And we call Hashem HaKel Hanemman, the faithful, the faithful God. He says an unbelievable story here. And he says the following. He says, From the integrity of humans, you can know the integrity of Hashem. And he says the following story. A very, very famous rabbi in the Gemara. His name was Pinchas Ben-Yoyah. And he says that Pinchas Ben-Yoyah lived in a city in the south. And this is the first story so you understand who he was. And one day a bunch of men came, and they left him, they said that they're going to they're, they're going to Ertus, wherever they were going, and they didn't want to carry. They had a sack of barley. They didn't want to carry the sack of barley. So they left it and they said, you watch it. Be a showman for free. You watch it for us. We'll come back. We'll pick it up. Okay? So they put they, they deposited with him two saw of barley, and they forgot it, and they went away. So every single year, Repichus Bignot would plant the barley, and then the seeds from the barley that would grow, he'd plant more barley. So by the time they came back, I think it was seven years, they came back to get their bag of barley. He had silos full of barley. Now, he was not Mechaev to do that. He could have just left the bag. He didn't have to plant it, but he knew that it would rot. And if it would rot, they'd come back. They'd get nothing. Okay. So what happens? They come back, and he says to them, you have, you have silos of, of so after seven years. The friends come back, and they say that they want back their bag. But Ben Yar immediately recognized them. And he says, no, come and collect your warehouses of barley. So he says, from here we can see the integrity of a human being. You can know the integrity of our Kurdish Baruch Hu. We're going to explain it by the, after the third story. There's three stories over here. Okay. What, what actually, what the, what the explanation on this gemara, the, on this medrash, the explanation is that Hashem does the same thing with us. When you do a mitzvah, you think it's just a mitzvah. He plants that mitzvah, and it grows. And he plants what grows, and it grows. As we know, what does it say in Pekai Mitzvah, Guerreris mitzvah. A mitzvah brings to another mitzvah. So the Medrash is explaining that. When you do a mitzvah, you, you, when you come to... You, you did a hundred mitzvahs, you come to the next world, you're not getting a hundred mitzvahs. You're getting hundreds of thousands of mitzvahs. Just like the story in Pinqas Binyar. Okay, that's the first story. Second story was that he once traveled to a certain city, and there were mice eating all the produce, everything that was growing in the city. So, Rabbi Pinchas ben said to them, why don't you give mice sir? You're supposed to give mice from your food. You're not giving mice sir. He says, if you want me to guarantee you that that um, you don't want to have any more mice, guarantee me that you give mice sir. They replied, we, you got a deal. So, Rabbi Pinchas did so. He made sure that they all gave mice sir. And the mice left and were never never seen again. The Medriff says that all the mice, that the story was, all the mice that were eating all the produce came to the center of town and they were making a lot of noise. And Pichas Benyar understood what they were saying. And what they were saying was that they don't give mice from their food, therefore we're eating all their food. Okay? The last story, which is really the story I want to tell you about. The last story is as follows. No, there's two more. There's actually two more. There was a there was a man that was digging. He used to dig um, cisterns um, for water. The people used to go to Eretz so they needed water. So he would he would he would make wells on the side of the street, so people would able would have something to drink. So he's a big tzaddik, right? One day, his daughter was traveling on the road, and she was passing over a river, and a huge flood came by, and and she fell into the river, and everybody said. She died. How could that be? So Pinchas Ben Yoyah, this is a very important story, Pinchas Ben Yoyah said impossible. She could not have died um, because if he with water was helping the Jewish nation, how could she die by water? Immediately a shout went throughout the city that she, she was found alive. So the Gemara, the, the, this is also a Gemara, so our rabbis say that when, when Pinchas Ben Yoyah said that there's no way she could die because her father dug um, water, that this malach went, and then they created a malach in Shemayim, and he went, and she said that someone that looked like Princess ben had come to the river, the side of the river, and pulled her out, and saved her life. What's, what's very important about this story is as follows. Really, what he said was wrong. Because mida Kinneget mida he dug wells of water, would be that she cannot fall into a well that he dug and died. He dug the well to help the Jews with water. She can't fall into that well because his hands made that well. But that she should fall into a river? One thing has nothing to do with the other. So why was she saved? So the Targum, the explanation on on this Medrash is unbelievable. It's because Pinchos ben Yoyer, when he said she cannot drown, he had the power to create a malach an angel from his words that went and saved her. Now, usually, when you do a mitzvah, you create a malach. But he didn't do a mitzvah here. He didn't do any mitzvah. He just made a statement. No way she could be dead. He had that power. Where did he get that power from? Such a power that you could you could create an angel? Where did he get that power from? I want to tell you, we got that power and, and, we're, and, and the she is over. This is where he got the power. Listen to this story. He said, um, okay, this is actually a, a different story, but his, his koyach his power was because his Kirish Hashem, his, his closeness, his closeness to Kirish Baruchu, and his, his um, how would I explain it? His, his, that he was such a big tzaddik that he was, gave him the kayach that if something came out of his mouth, right, it's called a haftacha, that that haftacha would happen. A person who is all the time. Believes in Hashem, even when they're going through a hard time and they're like, No, I understand that Khaj Baruch Hu is doing this for my good, right? When a person is very close to God, they have the strength, and when something comes out of their mouth, God listens and he creates it. So even though it wasn't a midah connected midah over here, but the minute he said, It can't be that she died, then in Shemayah they said, It can't be that she dies. What a crazy kayak that a person can have. And, and that's why the Major says these are the middles of Hashem. The person who's very close to Khaj Baru has the power. To actually create malachim. The last story is about Rav Shimon ben Shatach. Rav Shimon Shatach bought a chamar, a donkey, from a Yishma'eli, from an Arab. And when he bought the donkey, he found underneath the donkey's neck was a rope, and tied to that rope was a beautiful diamond. So the Talmud, when they saw this, they said, "Rabbi, Hashem iti ashir. He sold it to you, it's yours. The donkey is yours, and whatever comes with the donkey is yours. So look how Shem made you rich. Shem Ben Shatach said, no, I bought a donkey. I didn't buy a jewel. He went, and he returned it to this Yishmaeli. What did the Yishma'eli say when the rabbi walked in with the diamond? Oh my Yishim he said, Baruch Hashem Elokei Ben Shatach. Blessed is the God of Yishim Ben Shatach. So everybody asked the question, blessed is Shimon ben Shatach. He returned the diamond to the Arab. The Arab should have said, God should bless you. He said, blessed is the God of Shimon ben Shatach. Why didn't he say blessed is Shimon ben Shatach? So the Meghur says that this Ishmaeli understood something maybe we don't understand. This Ishmaeli understood that there is no way for a human being to reach that level where He has a diamond that's worth hundreds of thousands of dollars in his hand. He doesn't have to halakhically return it. Why would he return it? has to be that this person is close to God. As a human being alone, there's no way he can have that Midah. So this Arab understood, I'm not blessing you for returning it. I am blessing that God and you have such a relationship. Blessed is the God, because if you didn't have that relationship with God, you could never learn such a midah. Therefore, I'm blessing God. So you want to hear a crazy thing? Yesterday was on the news. I don't know if you heard this. A crazy thing. A woman in in Queens or somewhere had all her money hidden in a refrigerator. And And she totally, you can Google it. She totally forgot that she hid it in the refrigerator. And she gave the refrigerator to scrap. To scrap. She totally forgot about it. She got a new refrigerator. She gave it to one of these, you know, scrap trucks with all the garbage on it. And the scrap truck took it to the scrapyard. Now you understand the people in the scrapyard, these are not rich people. They sell the metal for whatever it's worth. And this guy drops off in the scrapyard, it's his scrapyard, his truck, and they start to rip the refrigerator apart for the metal. And this wad of money comes out. Now, he knew that this woman gave him a refrigerator, but he didn't know where she lived, didn't remember where she lived, and he didn't have a phone number, he didn't have anything, And here he has this money, and he knew that it was her savings. He never had to tell anybody, never had to tell anyone, she totally forgot about it. He went on television, and he went all over the place and said, I own a scrapyard, and there's a lady out there who had her money in the refrigerator, and if you hear this advertisement, please come to the scrapyard, I want to give you back your money. And yesterday, he gave her back with $5,000 cash. He gave her back $5,000 cash so it's not a story of right? and this is a scrap guy you know what $5,000 is worth to a scrap guy $10,000 to you so, so I sent the story over to someone today in shul he said to me was he Jewish I said I don't know if he was Jewish or not I don't know many scrap guys that are Jewish but that's what it means when it says that every human being was created in the image of God and that's what this Medrash rabbi says. This Medrash Rabbah is telling us the Yishma'ili understood that a person, if you want to get to such a level, you want to get to a level where you could find something that you really you could keep, but you're willing to give it back, you want to get to such a level where someone can insult you and you don't answer them back, you know someone said something behind your back and you and you just leave it alone, when you want to get to such a level, the only way to get such a level, and the Yishma'ili understood, I'm, I'm blessing God, I'm not blessing you, the only way to get on such a level is to be connected to the Kishorei and we're, we're in of, and we're going into elul. And you know what of stands for, right? Everyone here knows what of stands for. Elul ba. See, they don't leave us alone. <laughs> the summer you want to have a good time, you got three weeks. Then you have the nine days. Now we're past the nine days and everything else. And my rebbe says, "Okay, you think you can have fun now? No, of elul Start doing tshuva." Anyway, mitzvah Hashem, we should have just like we have a lot of people are going through a lot of stuff and it's going really, really fast on the other side, right? Because Rochus should bring Mashiach really, really fast. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.